just to say again, thank you visitors for being with us this morning. We are so glad that you've chosen to make this Good Friday with us. So welcome again. Church, could we give them a, could we give them a round of applause? Um, you, you might have noticed my hands, um, the little red. I'm not trying to be Jesus. Right? Last night we had an incredible service and everybody who came in received this mark just for us to consider the cross and to consider what Jesus has done. So I'm not trying to be like Jesus. We're all trying to be like Jesus. Isn't that right? Every one of us. And uh, one last shout out. Just great to have Mr. and Mrs. Cole in the house back from their honeymoon. Friends, we are in a sermon series called Our Witness News, and it's the life of Peter. It's the life of Peter as he considered what Jesus did. You know, if you consider the successes and the failures, the embarrassments, the sin, the calling, the successes, the restoration of the life of Peter, I deeply relate to it. I feel like I'm like Peter. But it's not just me. So many of you are like Peter. So many of us are like Peter. Peter is someone that we can relate to in so many ways. And, you know, Peter has been walking with Jesus now for three years as we consider Luke 22. He was called as a businessman. He had a number of boats. He had a whole fishing outfit. And Jesus called him and said, come follow me and I will take what you've got and I'll make you a fisher of men. And it's so important that we realize that Every aspect of our lives before Christ, and even aspects of our life now, God wants to use for His kingdom. So if you're a businessman, or if you're a scientist, or a teacher, whatever, God wants you to consider how you can use it for His kingdom. So Peter has seen miracles, he's seen demons cast out, he's walked on water, he's seen Jesus do incredible things. And now we find Jesus and Peter on the very last night. And they've had the Last Supper, and so they walk out, and it's a dark night. They walk down through Jerusalem, past the temple, through what is called the Kidron Valley, and they go up the hill to the top of the Mount of Olives. And Matthew highlights that it's the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is like North Cliff Hill. It's not that high. <laughs> but you can see Jerusalem, and you've got like a perfect view of the temple. And this is where we pick up. And this story that we're talking about is about three times denying Jesus and three times being restored with the cross right in the middle. So the passage is in Luke chapter 22. And Jesus says right at the top of the Mount of Olives, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, it was late that night, early morning, you will deny three times that you know me. You know what strikes me in this first passage of Scripture is the love and the goodness and the mercy of Jesus. He sees Peter, he sees his weakness, he sees what he's going to do, and his heart for him is one of restoration. His heart for him is, I am praying for you 
that you will not fall. I'm praying for you that you will be restored, that you will not fall away completely. And this is God's heart for every one of us. His heart for us is one of restoration unto him. It's so interesting. Last Sunday, we looked at the story that that Simon was given a new name. He was given a new identity, new creation realities that come in. He got changed from the inside out. New passions, new priorities, new Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, no longer will you be Simon, but you will be Peter the rock. But night to night, this dark night, he calls him Simon. Why does he call him Simon? Because he sees that he's going backwards. He sees that he's starting to fall away from this God-breathed identity. And he's saying to him, you're becoming like you were. You're going back. Have you ever felt like you've gone backwards in your faith? Ever felt like disappointed in yourself? I have. We all have these moments where we're like, why did I do that? And why did I, why did I act that way? The good news is God wants to restore us. Second thing we read here is that Satan has asked to sift him. Now, sift sounds very casual, but it literally means to tear apart. Satan said, I just want to, I want to tear these guys apart. Do you know, not everything that is happening to your life is because of you or because of God. There's also an adversary, the great serpent, the great dragon, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. And he comes after you, reminding you of your sins, reminding you of your failures. He comes after you to bring division between you and your loved ones. And he is trying to mess with your head. Understand this. There is a spiritual battle over your life. It's not all just you and it's not all just God. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And there is a spiritual battle happening. Simon Peter says, I'm ready to go to the end. And and in other verses in, uh, in Matthew, he swears and he declares, I'll never deny you. And he makes this incredible vow, I will never deny you, Lord. Have any of you made vows? Have any of you made promises that you haven't kept? How many of you are married here? Just lift up your hands. Okay, you can put your hands down. Um, To love and to cherish, in sickness and in health, till till death has to part. To keep myself only unto you. How's that going? <laughs> and I say this to you not to make you feel bad, but we, but we move to this next scene. We move to this next scene after verse 31 to 34. They go down to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus has this dark hour and he says, if it be possible, take this cup from me but not my will, your will be done. May we always pray that prayer. And then Judas and the soldiers arrive and they grab him and they take him to the house of the high priest. Now that was like the house of the president for the Jews in those days. It's not just a house, it's like a presidential house. And Simon Peter follows and he's in the courtyard. 
And he's sitting in the courtyard, and it says, and we read together, a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at him. I would not have liked that moment. Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. He had broken his word. So I've picked on married people. Let me pick on those of you who have been baptized. Remember when you got baptized, you said, I'm leaving my old way of life behind. I'm leaving my old way of life behind. Today, I'm following Jesus. How's that going? When we did child dedications, when we do child dedications, you as a parent say, I'm going to be an example. I'm going to bring my children to church. I'm going to teach them the word. My marriage is going to be an example to these kids. I'm going to take them to youth, even if I'm tired on a Friday night. How's that going? When you join this church, you say, I'm committing to pray for the pastors, to not bring division, to tithe, to love, to serve. How's that going? I say that because we all judge Peter so harshly. We all judge him and we look at him and say, how could he, he break his word? How could he deny Jesus? And yet we break our word. But the good news is that Jesus sees and he makes a way. And that's why we celebrate the cross today. Because Jesus has made a way. So what of this denial? The first denial is that Peter denies himself. Soren Kierkegaard said, Christian philosopher, he said, the most common form of despair is not being who you are. Not being who you are. Peter denies who he is. He denies the change in his life. He's becoming Simon again. He's not being who God has made him to be. You know, as you are not being the man and the woman that you really meant to be, in God, walking in that fullness, there's always going to be a bit of misery attached. When you are denying who you have really been made to be, a man or woman in the image of God, as you deny that by your choices, by the way you live, by the things that you watch, by the things that you choose to do, by the things you choose not to do when you don't invest in your soul to grow you, you deny yourself. Peter denied himself, and we deny ourselves. Second thing is, he denied his calling. You know, that moment in that courtyard was a perfect gospel moment. It was the Passover, and the high priest was examining Jesus. And you know what would happen at, the, at Passover? That this one lamb would be brought to the high priest, and it would be examined for any fault, any flaw. And then that lamb would be sacrificed for the sins of the nation. And he had Jesus as the perfect spotless lamb, 
the lamb slain before the foundation of the world was standing before the high priest. Peter could have preached the gospel like he'd never preached the gospel before. Peter denied his calling at that particular point in time. Do you know what the call of God is upon your life? Do you know what he's asked you to do? And are you following after it? There's a Japanese word, don't want to get it wrong. It's called ikagi. And it's an overlap, fourfold overlap. Imagine four circles. One is what the world needs, overlapping with what you are able to bring, what you're good at, overlapping with what you're passionate about, and then overlapping, fourthly, with where there's provision. If, if, if you find that overlap of those four things, what the world needs, what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and where there's provision, and God speaks to you, that's your calling. How many of you are walking in your calling? Peter denies his calling. He denies what God has called him to, to do and to be. Henry Thoreau says the following, American philosopher, he says, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Most people, and obviously this is true, I believe for everybody outside of Jesus, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Lastly, Peter denies Jesus. Christianity isn't about religion. It's about relationship. Being a Christian means you are changed on the inside because of your relationship with Jesus. That's what Christianity is. It's about relationship. You are transformed on the inside because you're walking with him. You know what religion is? That you pretend on the outside. That you make a show on the outside. But there's no internal transformation. That's what religion is. Another way to see it is, religion is that you are sitting in church, but you're thinking about fishing. True Christianity is you are fishing, but you're thinking about Jesus. <laughs> but not just fishing. You are coming to church. You're going to work. You're being a husband. Whatever you do, you are considering everything in the light of the gospel, in the light of God. Religion is about trying to pretend that you changed and showing it on the outside. But true relationship brings an internal transformation. Peter denies Jesus. He denies him completely. Not once, not twice, three times he denies him. The rooster crows and I think he must have been absolutely heartbroken. And it says, and he went outside, and he wept bitterly. You know, sometimes to weep over your sins is really good. I once went to go see this movie. It was called A Simple Plan. A movie a long time ago, before half of you were born. And it was about this step-by-step. Step. Every step I could relate to was like a small mistake. And at the end, this guy was like shooting his brother, you know? I mean, it kind of, and I'm watching this and I'm saying, I could be that guy. I could be, I mean, just 
every single step. And I was just praying, Lord, burn this in my heart. I pray that you'd be willing to embrace the discomfort of your failure and of your sin. That you wouldn't try to put like spiritual panado when you've got cancer over the problem. But you would bring your heart and your life to Jesus. So there were two characters on that night who did really bad things. There was Simon Peter and there was Judas. Both felt very bad. Ever feel bad for what you've done? We all feel bad for what we've done. Ever like said something, you're just like, I wish I hadn't said that. Wish I hadn't have done that. Wish I hadn't failed in that way. Judas feels bad, and he goes off, and he's feeling bad. And you know what he does? He commits suicide. Peter repents of his sins. It's not good enough just to feel bad. What you've got to do is bring your heart to Jesus. It says, godly sorrow leads to repentance, but worldly sorrow leads to death. So if, if you're in that place of doing stuff that you shouldn't or you've done stuff that you shouldn't, don't just feel bad about it. It helps nobody. It definitely doesn't help you. What you've got to do is bring your heart before Jesus. That night accelerates. Jesus is taken to Pilate. Pilate washes his hands. Pilate does the whole Barabbas. Him or Jesus. Crowd shouts out Barabbas. Pilate has Jesus whipped and scourged and they put a crown of thorns on his head and he's rejected. He's given the cross and he carries the cross. The nails are put through his hands and he's placed on this cross and, and he's pierced in his side. And the sky turns black because of the sins of the whole world. Yours and mine are all consolidated, congregated there. And the father turns his face away and and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's been in perfect union with the Father for all of eternity, and now he's separated because he's taking the sins of the world upon him here on the cross. And then eventually he cries out, it is finished. It is finished, and, and he gives up his spirit, and temple veil is torn. Access is granted. The price is paid. When he cried out, it is finished, it literally means tetelesta in the Greek, means paid in full. And there's earthquakes and people start walking around. And he goes down to hell and he sets those that have been captive free. And he rises on the third day. Cosmological epic, like we've never seen and never will see again. Incredible. But friends, in the midst of that, Jesus doesn't forget the small guy. Jesus doesn't forget Peter. Maybe you've come this morning, you're like, this is a big crowd. <laughs> Maybe you feel like this is a bit crowded. Jesus sees you. And Jesus sees where you have denied him. And Jesus sees where you are in pain. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to restore you. He meets Peter on the shore of Galilee. He's paid the price for all of us. But he takes the time and trouble to meet with him. And he says to him on the shore, feeds him. 
does the fish miracle and then feeds him fish on the shore. And then he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, than this beautiful surrounding, than this food, than this environment? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus asked again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now his name changes. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, have you ever been hurt by God? If you've been hurt by God, it's for your goodness. It's for your help. Just don't blame God for where the devil hurt you. And he says, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then he says, feed my sheep. And then he said to him, follow me. Jesus causes him to retrace because he loves him so much. Some of you need to retrace. Some of you need to go back to where you've made mistakes. Some of you need to go back to where you started to think wrong or started to feel wrong. We made a judgment about yourself. We made a judgment about some circumstance or something else and allow his restoration and his healing to come in. For me, there was a multiplicity or a manifold restoration. Firstly, Jesus takes away Peter's past. The shame and the guilt of his denial. And just in praying for you, I felt like there are many of you who are still carrying shame and guilt. Some of you because of what was done to you and some of you because of what you did. Either way, Jesus paid the price. And God doesn't want you to be in that place of shame and guilt. Some of you are in pain right now. You're in a desperate place. Jesus meets Peter in his present. He meets him right where he is. Hallelujah. In his pain. And then the father comes and takes the pain away. And, and for some of you, for some of you, there is fear of the future. And Jesus spoke to Peter about his future. He told him what his life is going to consist of, even how he's going to die. I don't know where you are in terms of these, but some of you need to deal with your past. Or rather, bring your past to Jesus, because you can't deal with your past without him. And some of you need to bring your pain right now. In your presence, some of you need to bring your future before him because there's fear. And Jesus restores Peter back to Peter, back to his identity. We are called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And self-loathing and self-despising and disintegration between what you think and what you do and what you say. It's not healthy, it's not good for you, but Jesus restores Peter, and he wants to restore you. Where there's a divergence between what you think and what you do and what you believe and what you say. God wants to restore you back to yourself. And he restores him back to his calling. He's denied him three times. He hasn't acted on the gospel, and he sets him back on a path to feed his lambs, to lead his sheep, and to feed his sheep. And above all, he restores him back to a relationship with him. 
In fact, that's the first and most important thing is that we come back into relationship with him. How's your relationship with Jesus? Where are you on the religion relationship spectrum? So appreciate you in church today, even if you are thinking about fishing. But where are you? <laughs> but where are you on that path? Do you want more of Jesus or do you want more of something else? My friends, none of this, none of this would have been possible without the cross. Jewish law says the following, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Old Testament. It says if you do this, you get that. If Jesus had not died and paid the price, you know what Peter would have just been guilty of? High treason. There's a famous couple that um, historians say are the most famous in the world for high treason. Maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. A couple called Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. They left Europe, went to America, or rather their parents did. They were first-generation immigrants. And um, they became spies for the Soviet Union, and they sold the nuclear program to the Soviet Union. And historians tell us that this perpetuated the Cold War and resulted in Vietnam and all kinds of things. You know what they got for that? They were executed. They were executed. Friends, all of us deserve judgment. <laughs> all of us deserve judgment. None of us deserve restoration. But the beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing is that Jesus has paid the price. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place. So that now we can experience restoration. So it doesn't matter how many times you've denied him. From today, from this point, even if your life's been going like that, and you're somewhere here, and it's nearly the end, there is a plan in Jesus, in God for you to take you back up. Dr. Rasbrook says, three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You can't clean up your act. You can't stop sinning. You can swap sins. That's all you can do at best. You can stop doing that and start doing something else. You can't stop sinning. But the good news is that Jesus paid the price. And if you give yourself to him and you receive his grace and mercy, the power of sin and death can be broken in your life. I want to pray and I first want to speak to those who are not serving God and then I want to speak to those of you who are serving God but are carrying the pain of the past, sorry, the shame of the past, the pain of the present and the fear of the future. So let's just bow our heads together, please. Jesus, thank you that you know us and you love us and you don't reject us and you want us. And I pray that none of us would be like Judas's today, that we just feel bad about our sin. But we would be like Peter, who, though we weep, Lord God, we come to you and we seek you out. I pray for a gift of repentance today. I want to give you an opportunity if you're here, you've either never given your heart to Jesus, you've never 
given up that lordship. You always holding the wheel. Or you've fallen away and, and you want to come home and you just want to publicly say, I'm in. Jesus, here I am. Forgive me. I declare you my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. If you're in either one of those scenarios, either you've never given your heart or you want to come home, you sick and tired of being sick and tired, then I'm going to ask as a decisive act, you're saying that that's what I want to do. I want Jesus. I'm just going to ask that you lift up your hand. as a sign to God saying, that's me, Lord. Forgive me. God bless you. God bless you. Church, could we stand up, please? Everybody, please stand. You lifting up your hand doesn't mean you're joining this church. And I'm not going to ask you to say a speech. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I am going to ask that you come forward. I want to pray for you. Bible says that if we confess him before men, he will confess us before the Father. So if you lifted up your hand, won't you just come forward and I'm going to pray for you. Church, let's just celebrate as they come forward. A couple of you, please come forward. Thank you. Come forward. Welcome. Thank you. There are a couple of other, uh, other hands. Do you want to come forward? I'm not going to embarrass you. This is, the narrow, this is the narrow gate. This is saying, Jesus, I want you. And I'm not ashamed of wanting you. In fact, I want you to take away my shame. So, so whoever else lifted up their hand, please want you to come forward. This, this is the best thing. This is the best thing you could ever do. Now, now the Word of God says that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths, we will be saved. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's your prayer to God, but I'm going to help you. And church, won't you help them by praying it with them? Pray this aloud. Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from doing it my way. And I choose to follow you. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray never the same. Never the same, Lord God. From today, Lord God, they would experience your life, your cleansing, your forgiveness, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They would be added into community. They would be humbled to be discipled, Lord God. They'd be added into connect group and to the life of the church. We bless them and we speak your hand upon them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Right, church, let's just remain standing. If you are dealing with shame, if there's just something of your past, then I want you to bring it before the Lord. If there, is, if there is pain that you're in right now, pain in the present, relationships, who knows, or if there's fear for the future, whatever it is, just, just lift up our hands right now and just trust Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for everything on the cross, Lord God, for our past, our present, our future. Lord, you restore us completely, Lord God. And as we as believers, as your sons and daughters lift up our hands, Lord God, we, 
we bring our shame and we say, wash it away, Jesus. Lord, we bring the crisis of our present, Lord God, and we say, come in, Lord God, come in. Come in, Lord God, speak your words of life and heal us and transform us. And Lord, we bring every anxiety and fear for the future. Lord, you are good, God. Lord, we lay down our fear and we put our trust anew in you. Lord, bless us as a people. Guard us, keep us and direct us. Thank you that you don't hold our sins against us. You don't hold our denials against us. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid for all of it on the cross and that you restore us today. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all God's people said, amen and amen.